Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Mr. President, just a quick follow on the same theme of consequences. You said just now that you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the, the consequences of that would be devastating for Russia. I'll go. Well, now Alexei Navalny is dead at the age of 47 in a Russian prison somewhere north of the Arctic Circle. So what will be the consequences for Vladimir Putin, consequences for Russia? And does this change the equation of the aid package that sits with the House of Representatives passed by the Senate that brings $60 billion to Ukraine, but actually is utilized for the building of bullets right here in America? And how does any of this play into a long-term strategy certainly when russia is trying to weaponize space as we were told in this cryptic post by chairman mike turner the house intelligence committee where it is believed what he is discussing is the ability to utilize space and utilize weaponry to destroy satellites as they did one of their own spy satellites that they launched in 1982 is russia the threat of our lifetime or is this much ado about nothing And is Joe Biden a guy who is going to live up to his own words? Tony Katz, good to be with you. That is a lot to cover. Senator Todd Young joins me right now from Indiana. He is the senior senator of Indiana and, of course, my senator as well. Sir, forgive the voice. It's just a cold. The mind still works pretty well. Uh, The news released this morning that Alexei Navalny, who has been the opposition uh, leader to uh, Vladimir Putin, who came back to Russia and was immediately put in in jail, has died in prison your thoughts to that and to the how does that change, if at all, relations between the United States and Russia? Yeah, thank you uh, for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm playing a little hurt today, too. So uh, if I sound out of the weather, um, listen, it is uh, it's a somber occasion today. Um, Alexei Navalny, he was uh, without doubt. Uh, uh, the leader of the opposition movement, uh, such as it was in Russia. Uh, uh, certainly, that was the case after the killing of Prigozhin uh, just some time ago. And uh, he showed incredible bravery, character, heroism uh, over a number of years, uh, trying to build a, a movement of people mobilize that movement, even from behind bars, verbally communicating utterances to his attorneys who would in turn uh, put those on uh, social media. Uh, So we we lost uh, a leader of uh, a Democratic leader uh, of of world significance. He also demonstrated uh, to the world that many Russians don't want They don't want the autocrat in power. They want something other than Vladimir Putin. So uh, there is a natural inclination, especially in a totalitarian state, which is what we now have in Vladimir Putin's Russia. There's a natural inclination to rally around one's leader, uh, even uh, in the case of wars that uh, are instigated uh, 
by your own country and, and done so unlawfully and immorally. It's just a human pulse to sort of rally around one's, one's leader. But amidst those significant headwinds, we still know there is a massive, massive uh, group of people who uh, are, are prepared for, ready for something else. And, and so um, I think it's important to sort of begin there because that lays a predicate for further conversation about the future of Russia and uh, whether or not this is an immovable force of Vladimir Putin, his cronies, and the military, uh, which uh, submits to his uh, every whim as, as we think about the conflict in Russia and some of the difficult decisions we're having to make. With respect to President Biden, there's no question uh, he laid down the, the proverbial gauntlet. He pledged there would be devastating consequences. When the President of the United States makes those sorts of pledges, uh, establishes red lines, those red lines have to be enforced. They have to be enforced. And so it begs the question, something uh, we'll be pressing President Biden on uh, consistently, what now? Well, I would say Congress also has an obligation. Uh, we need to continue to refor- uh, resource the freedom fighters in Ukraine who are uh, paying in blood, playing, paying the United States uh, and our allies in blood for uh, diminishing the military capabilities of Vladimir Putin and also paying in, in, in blood. We send them the weapons. Uh, and, and, and they fight in order to deter further aggression in other areas of the world. You know, as bad as Vladimir Putin is, there are other autocrats who seek to undermine U.S. interests from our trade to our intellectual property to our, our the very welfare of our families and communities. Xi Jinping, China, that's one of them. He's stealing big pieces of ocean wants to grab uh, Taiwan. Uh, We rely on Taiwan for a lot, but uh, among other things, semiconductors, which, you know, they go into everything with an on-off switch, try modern life without on-off switches. Um, I'm going to bring it back just a little bit. Because I understand yeah. bringing up China, but I do want to focus, talking to Senator Todd Young uh, of, sure. of, of Indiana, and, and the focus is, is not even on whether or not we should be supportive of, of Ukraine. You talk about the Ukrainians play, paying uh, with their blood. That's absolutely uh, true. They were the ones yeah. who were invaded. I'm not saying it is right, but if there's something they're going to pay, that is exactly what is go- they're going to pay with. I want to get back to what Joe Biden said, because it would seem to me that Joe Biden's commentary, quote, I made it clear to him, meaning Vladimir Putin, that I believe the consequences of Alexei Navalny dying in prison would be devastating for Russia. That is making a statement that is a that call it a threat, call it what you will. So now the question is, has Joe Biden committed the United States to some kind of forceful reaction to Russia, towards Russia, on Russia, with Alexei Navalny dying? Yeah, well, what, that's what we need to press him on, Tony. We don't want 
time and place of our choosing. We want an unambiguous response. We want a response like they're asking for jets. They're asking for tanks. We're giving them uh, jets and tanks to diminish Vladimir Putin's military power and uh, get him out of power. Uh, We are asking our secretary of state to uh, immediately convene ambassadors within NATO and uh, in in Japan and and, uh, so many other countries and saying collectively, we all decide uh, that we are going to be tightening down our sanctions. Uh, No more business with with Russia, because we know that uh, that's that's a porous exercise where uh, even even a little bit of 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 trade leads to benefits to their military. So that's the sort of response we want. We're already in a wartime posture in the sense that uh, so there, there, there are many things that have tools that have already been brought to bear, but there's additional things that need to be brought to bear. And this is where President Biden has fallen short. Um, you can't you can't be half in in a war. You're either at war or you're not at war. We are at war. It's a unique sort of war where, blessedly, uh, American-made weapons are being sent overseas uh, and given to other brave freedom fighters. Uh, so it doesn't require the deployment of our own forces. Um, and there, are, you know, we're not getting into the root causes. Happy to do that, but. But but so there there are limitations to our involvement in this war. But but we're at war, so we should not be pulling punches. And I've just listed a couple of things that I see we could do. But you know, the president of the United States has the entire military apparatus. And to that end, sir, I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, forgive me for interrupting. Normally, I don't do that. Talking to Senator Todd Young, sure. uh, your point being, Senator Young, that that you you believe that there should be a response to the death of Alexei Navalny. In your view, is that response one that is United States to Russia? Or is that response to you that the House should authorize what the Senate has already authorized in terms of an aid package, and that should be, in your view, there should be even more, and that should be the way we respond? Well, Tony... You're a really smart guy, and your listeners are smart, um, and and they will know, many of them will know, that I already supported. Before we knew that uh, uh, Navalny had likely been killed by Vladimir Putin, I already supported uh, continuing to resource the Ukrainian, Ukrainian freedom fighters. But I also emphasize that if we we're going to support them, we had to be in this thing to win. We had to be in this thing uh, not with undue reservations about risk of escalation. That's a serious issue, but the president has has showed far too many uh, reservations when uh, Ukrainians requested military platforms to send them. So now I think because the president has has done something which is um, typically ill-advised, he established a red line. Maybe a red line that uh, he didn't wasn't prepared to enforce, but he established a red line. So there's an opportunity for the president. Number one, continue to make the argument, which he should have been making anyway. I'm glad he's making it now. 
why this is important to the American people, why it's important to our way of life, our national security, and in the end, it's going to save us a lot of human and, and material resources anyway. So he needs to do that. But number two, once we authorize additional funding for the Ukrainian freedom fighters, now we can say, you know what? I wasn't prepared to send tanks or whatever they need before standoff weapons, uh, but I am now because Navalny has been killed. So he can have it both ways, and I would encourage him to do so. Now, folks like myself will, will be reminding people uh, that President Biden has, you know, but for his reluctance, Ukrainians may have already won. You know, I mean, so it's fair because he's up for a job interview for me to continue to make that that statement. Uh, but uh, I want what's best for our country, best for our security. So I would encourage him to go ahead and and uh, use this opportunity to finesse his support, uh, increase his support for the Ukrainians. I hope that was clear. So just uh, for for the sake of clarity, before I, I let you go, nothing about the death of Alexei Navalny talking to Senator Todd Young of Indiana has you thinking that because the president said the the uh, consequences would be devastating for Russia leads you to believe that President Biden, the United States, should get itself involved in a war posture with Russia directly Rather, you would keep things to support of Ukraine. Well, exactly. And that's that is the answer is yes. I could stop there, but I think it's really important that I uh, add this. One of the primary reasons we are involved in Ukraine is is to prevent America's sons and daughters from having to be deployed on the ground in a NATO allied country. If Putin grabs Ukraine, the next big one is going to be Poland. Poland is on the border of Ukraine. Poland is a signatory to NATO. The NATO treaty says under Article 5 that if Poland's territory is attacked, is abridged, the United States and other countries will respond militarily. So, we would have a treaty obligation if we didn't respond pursuant to that treaty. No, it would be like violating a contract. Your credit score goes way up. Okay. So our, our national credit score would go way up. No one would ever sign treaties with us. We'd lose our alliances. Our trading relationships would be undermined and so forth. So that's what's at stake. We want to prevent that cascading of events on the cheap, there is an opportunity for President Biden to step up, to put his money where his mouth is, and to actually resource the Ukrainians. Because I think Congress is going to put on his desk for his signature some additional resourcing um, to so that this stuff can be set in motion. Senator Todd Young joining me earlier, and I appreciate him taking the, the, the time. I I must be uh for for the sake of clarity as i've discussed uh i i support the idea of supporting ukraine i certainly think that we are of it is a benefit to us as a nation uh, to help them survive I, I i absolutely i can argue this with anybody but as i i said earlier 
the southern border is unprotected and we're worried about protecting another border. You, you, it can't work like that. And if you were going to say to me, well, Tony, we could do two things at once, but we're not, are we? We're not doing two things at once. We're just not. And, and this is the part where when, when you see people upset with, uh, with, with Senator Young on these subjects, I, I think this is it. And I think it's, it's not only worthy for, for him to notice, but for, for Congress as a whole to notice that there is a segment of America that is saying to you as clear as day, this isn't about whether or not we think Ukraine should be destroyed. We don't. It's that we don't think the United States should be destroyed and it has to come first. So could you do us a favor and make it come first? That's where it is. And I think both the House and the Senate have done an unbelievably horrible job of addressing the subject. And this is all they have to do. Basic, simple legislation on the border. Finish the wall, which is a fence. Add the technology in the places where you don't have the wall. Do something about the labor issues that are necessary. Start there. Oh, and no more of this madness of asylum. A president who's willing to shut down a border when necessary. If not, immediately. But these three pieces that I mentioned, start there. Start there. But don't ask Americans to somehow live in fear that if we don't stop Russia in in Ukraine, utilizing Ukrainian bodies, we're going to be at war. Our southern border already looks like a war zone. Start there. It's just that simple. And that the House and the Senate don't do it. It disgusts us to no end. And yeah, we're right to be disgusted. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. I think it's funny, I brought up earlier this idea of this you know, who would vote for the Manchin-Romney ticket? Some people talking about that as a potential third party. And then Manchin comes out, like, not moments later. is like, yeah, I'm not running for president. What are y'all, crazy? I guess, I guess he heard me. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. He heard me, and he's like, you're right. There, there's nobody who wants me. This is, this is just uh, total madness. So ridiculous. Who, who am I to think that I could do this thing? His own party doesn't want him. There is no center that would be attracted to him and Mitt Romney. The right move. And in Kansas City, two juveniles have been charged with the shooting that killed one person, injuring 22. They had a dispute. A dispute. You mean it was gang-related? Wait, it wasn't gang-related? Okay, then what was it? What do you mean dispute? I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that that the, the the motive conversation, the who are these people conversation, the shooting took place at the Super Bowl parade there in Kansas City, has been remarkably silent. Usually we know so much more. Two juveniles, we know that. It's a dispute, we know that. And we, we want to know how these juveniles are connected or how they were separated. I think that's a bigger question, too. This is Tony Katz today. 
So you have Navalny dead at 47. We're talking about Alexei Navalny, of course, who has been a major critic of Vladimir Putin in Russia. Vladimir Putin threw him in jail. Uh, Navalny was actually gone. He didn't have to come back to Russia. He did. And he was thrown in jail, and he's been in jail for years. And he's in a he's in a prison north of the Arctic Circle. You can only imagine the hellscape. And he goes for a walk on Friday, and then uh, he doesn't. Well, yeah, today, and then he's not feeling well. And the next thing you know, boom, he's dead. That's not how these things work. I don't know how there isn't a question uh, as to what happened. Navalny was killed by Vladimir Putin. This is my take, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. And I know I'm not the only one. But the question is, what happens now? You have these statements in the past from Joe Biden that if Navalny were to die, well, the uh, the response, uh, the consequences would be devastating. Mr. President, just a quick follow on the same theme of consequences. You said just now that you spoke to him a lot about human rights. What do you say would happen if opposition leader Alexei Navalny dies? I made it clear to him that I believe the... The consequences of that would be devastating. Made it clear to Vladimir Putin that the consequences would be devastating. I don't know what that means. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Military analyst, retired United States Army West Point graduate, of course, West Point guy. And uh, and, and let's start with um, maybe the most basic of questions, which I, I never mind doing. I never mind starting with with the 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 basics um the death of navalny does this change the united states dynamics with russia well tony i think um this is purely in the political arena now um given the fact that we've got an aid package that's kind of sitting around waiting for approval uh, in the house to help ukraine that's really the only way that uh, that the ukraine government and the military survive uh, over the next six months, they're almost out of ammunition as it stands right now. Um, Navalny's death really ends any opposition that took place in Russia. I think there's, you know, elections are coming up. So from the, you know, the political side of this, uh, obviously Vladimir Putin thought he could get through any, you know, let's call Western pressure, things like what Joe Biden said. Um, and it looks like he's right about it right now. So I know from a strategic perspective, you know, Russia now has got Ukraine on the ropes. Um, has the United States not wanting to support? You know, we're, we're almost 10 years away from that comment that Barack Obama told Mitt Romney about, you know, the when Romney thought Russia was a threat, you know, the, the 80s called they want the foreign policy back. Well, you know, Russia remains a, a threat to the United States and a threat to Europe's security. And this just proves that their leader will do anything he, he has to in order to, to maintain that power there. So, you know, Putin ends up from a strategic perspective is 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 really winning right now. But it it would seem to me that that the death of Navalny would be something to try and uh, uh and create a springboard in, in the U.S. to get the aid package through even before any border funding, and therefore get Ukraine the assistance it needs to fight back to do damage to Vladimir Putin uh, via proxy. So it it would seem that something happening to Navalny would be not in the best interest of Vladimir Putin, true or false? Well, you would think on the surface, but it's just looking like against purely political that uh, both sides are hardening in our country about this. And I don't think I just don't think it's going to move the needle from the GOP's perspective. 
I think that um, you know the the, the, the uh, you know one side of the aisle didn't think much of Russia, and we saw also this last week. Now Russia is this existential threat by putting nuclear weapons in space. All of a sudden, everything is Russia, Russia, Russia. Um, so uh, what's what's going to move the needle? I, I I think that the media will try to, uh, and the administration will try to use this as some kind of a springboard. I just really don't believe it's still going to move the needle. You know, he was one person. To your point, came back, didn't have to do any of that thing, didn't have to do anything. Um, but um, but again, I, I don't believe the needle's going to get moved just from the death of. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to discuss this idea of the needle moving. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, uh, we can go back to that debate between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, where. Um, uh, Barack Obama mocked Mitt Romney when he referred to Russia as our number one geopolitical mm-hmm. foe and said the 1980s mm-hmm. are calling and they want their foreign policy back. He mocked mm-hmm. Mitt Romney on this uh, right. conversation. Mitt Romney was 1,000% correct and Barack Obama was 1,000% wrong um so so just as a as a matter of going back to how long this has been a a a conversation but what do you mean by move the needle if this is now political which i don't disagree uh necessarily with with your with your thought process there describe to me what you mean by moving the needle so tony you got to take it a step further you got to look at what barack obama does in 2014 when russia invades ukraine he does really nothing sends, you know, non-lethal aid, you know, blankets and radios to Ukraine, doesn't really help them do anything. Um, basically dismissed any kind of threat from Russia at that time. So he backed up what he thought was was the case. Um, and so now the political boundaries and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the, the battle lines are bright lines and they're drawn clear about the Republicans are saying, we're not we're not going to let you guys off the hook here because we always thought that was the case from the very beginning. Um, and so I, I think that's where it's at. I, I believe that, um, that, that, uh, the, the, the border, the, the GOP is just basically said to themselves, we're, unless there's U S troops and forces at risk here, we're not going to do anything. It's a, it's a kind of a sad reality of where we are. So that's what I mean about move the needle. It's become so political. Both, both sides have just are so clouded by not recognizing what, what the real threat is because you know really at the end of the day what what countries do internally doesn't doesn't really threaten the united states doesn't threaten outside countries it just demonstrates more behavior that they're they're willing to do and it just demonstrates more things that they're capable of and we always knew that about russia anyway so in some ways this was a fait accompli you know russia was not never going to let this guy out of prison anyway so it, it's your take that the death of navalny doesn't necessarily change any equation in the United States as to whether or not the aid package for Ukraine goes through. I don't think so, Tony. I just, it's an unfortunate. That's just what I think. Based looking at the, the tea leaves right now, I, I just don't see this as enough of a unifying factor. It's an internal challenge inside of Russia. It, it, it's going to take some other force that's going to have to act on uh, in order for I think um, for the House to, to to move the needle on whether they get that aid package, but but sadly you look at the front lines reports that I'm seeing you have Ukraine forces that are surrounded in certain player in places in the Donbass region, um, and as they run out of ammo as they're trying to conserve fuel conserve um, their their equipment it's it's now getting to the point where it's going to get into spring here soon Russia can more or less go on this offensive and grind down those those frontline troops there. So from a military perspective, it's, it's very unfortunate. 
I, I would take it, uh, Major Lyons, that you would think it was the better strategy to provide uh, the, the aid and provide the, the weaponry and the ammunition to Ukraine and to do so right now. Uh, have you spoken to Republican members of Congress who are saying, how do we move on this when we haven't moved on border protection yet? I've spoken only to their age, not specifically members of Congress. I My position is what I don't get from a political perspective is that this is not money going to Ukraine. It's not necessarily going into oligarchs' pockets. It's money that's going to defense contractors in Alabama and places you know up and down the East Coast and factories to make artillery ammunition. I think we've, we've bumped up the artillery ammunition. I think we're at 45,000 rounds now a month. We opened up another supply chain in Texas to do that, which is, which is good. Um, but to create stingers and AT4s and, and the things that uh, the Ukraine needs to buy from. Now, that is not to say with $50 billion, there will be graft and there will be some things that go off to the side. And we know that sometimes that money winds its way back into the pockets of you know, political campaigns. But, but again, it's, it's not money that's going to Ukraine. It's going to uh, U.S. jobs and keeping, uh, uh, keeping Americans employed. So to me, I don't under- understand why uh, the Republican Party just can't be, get behind some of that thing. And no, okay, connected to the border, correct. We might, you know, we might be able to do that. But, but the, the immediacy of what's happening right now, this is where it's pure political, uh, you know, to tie it to what's happening in Ukraine, um, is just making it more complex. Uh, I And I have made the argument, just so you know, that the problem is, is that they made it about Ukraine funding and didn't make it about creating uh, more bullets. If you created legislation and said, mm-hmm. we're going to spend this money and we're going to re-up our stockpiles, it would pass without question. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, a West Point guy uh, right there, a West Point graduate. I always say West Point guy. I don't mean that to be in a... I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to make it a little more casual. I don't think I. I don't think I should. I should be a little more official with that. Uh, but uh, let us now get into the part two here, which is about Russia and the weaponization, if you will, of space and how they took out one of their own satellites, a spy satellite that they launched in 1982. They blew it up in space, uh, created a tremendous amount of debris. Uh, Nations around Mm -hmm. the world said, my God, what are you doing? It seemed that this so-called threat that uh, Chairman Mike Turner, uh, House Intel Committee, was talking about was their ability to do just that. Uh, That is not an Mm -hmm. imminent threat, like as, as in a threat to our lives today, but it does lead to where the the idea that Russia doesn't look at itself as somebody who has global intentions or expansionist intentions. Well, that's not true. They have both. They have right. global expansion uh, in 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 their mindset. True. Sure. Yeah. No. I, there's no question, and they recognize that space as a as a domain is going to be something that's going to be contended. And, and uh, you know, 1967, about 111 countries signed this treaty that says basically no weapons of mass destruction in space. And we get this report about potentially a nuclear weapon doing it, but it doesn't have to be a nuclear weapon. It's literally a Star Wars. It's literally an electromagnetic pulse type uh, piece of equipment that as satellites converge can knock out multiple satellites that, that uh, I mean, thank God we had the foresight to come up with the Space Force that that's got to think both offensively, what would we what would we do in space, but then also defensively to protect satellites that are important to our military. Look, if you want to navigate in the world these days and communicate, you have to have these satellites. There's not a lot of countries that that are up in space that that, that have this capability. It's it's you know India, Japan, uh, Russia, China, United States, um, and if and if uh, it's got it's going to be something to be contended. So 
Um, I, I, I just kind of coincidental. It's all coming out the same week that Ukraine needs money and Navalny gets killed here. It's just, it's just all of a sudden, all everything is bubbled to the top. It, it, that's I think an interesting part to this. That talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, that it has kind of all come together. You had you had the the Tucker Carlson interview. You had uh, uh, then um, uh, this conversation about Ukraine funding. Now then you had uh, mm-hmm. this this uh, announcement of a of the uh, threat and how uh, Chairman Turner wants uh, Biden to declassify everything mm-hmm. so they can discuss it with allies. And then you have the death mm-hmm. of, of 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 Navalny. We talk about how it affects maybe the war effort. Right. And, and, and to mm-hmm. the extent that the United States will be supportive and, and, and what aid packages are we sending and how uh, they're definitely and I'm one of the people. If you haven't done anything about the border, it's hard to get the idea that we should do something about Ukraine. You mentioned that this is about uh, the, the creation of bullets right here in the U.S. And I argue you should have mm-hmm. handled it differently or they should have handled it differently. But we haven't asked what the situation is in russia how will things be responded to there we understand that certainly uh anybody who would dare act in in opposition is going to get the navalny treatment and that's the point of killing navalny uh but what is the situation throughout most of the ground uh in in russia how much more of putin will they handle or are they very okay with not getting killed and just letting this ride yeah, they're letting it ride. And and as Vladimir Putin controls the communication channels, controls the major oligarchs, still controls all of the logistics supplies and the every, you know, down to the how, you know, Russians are getting their groceries in, in the market. So uh, there's no change here. And whether they're impacted or not, you know, remains to be seen. It's just going to be shown that you know, rising up against this this uh, regime that he has there is just going to get you killed. So. You know, this is in Russia's DNA, unfortunately. This has been going on since, you know, Russian Revolution, since, the, you know, 1917 and 18 and on. And then as they, as they get into the Soviet Union, that, that market collapses. And now they're, in this, they're, they're back to the, it's back to the future. Um, you can blame U.S. bad foreign policy in the 90s and, and not, not figuring this out what to do. But uh, we're, we're, we're kind of right back to where we were during the Cold War. And as it, it gets colder every, every month that goes by as, as Russia gets more uh, with regard to what's happening in Ukraine and, and the security. Now, I do think, though, that they're still not that strong externally, right? Uh, the Germans and the French and, and these NATO countries, they're still balking at probably investing because they think deep down that the Ukraine military is still attriting the Germans and uh, they, they're, they're being practical about it. Um, but Russia still has always historically shown to have tremendous capability and resiliency to things like this. And so I don't think it's going to matter one bit to, to the people of, inside of Russia. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There is more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. And now your daily reminder of how unserious Vice President Kamala Harris really is. There cannot be, in my opinion, peace and security for that region, for the people of Israel or the Palestinians and the people of Gaza without a two-state solution. And we cannot give up on that. (laughs) But how we get there is going to (laughs) matter. How do you get there with Hamas still in power? 
That's the only question for Vice President Harris, to which you will not get an answer that makes any sense. I actually have exclusive audio of when asked, how do you get there with Hamas still in power? That is correct. You cannot have a two-state solution if one side is a terrorist organization that wants to kill another side. Hamas is a terrorist organization that wants Israel destroyed. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, what's going on? I don't care where you are on the subject. I'm just stating a fact. You can't can't get to that place. I'm not even saying it's a bad place. Can't get there if there's a terrorist organization involved. Oh, I know. They'll call Israel the terrorist organization. Uh, But uh, if, if you haven't, you know heard me discuss the insanity of that argument. You want to call them both terrorist organizations, Hamas and Israel? Fine, let them fight it out. Let's see who wins. But of course, that's not the case. And rational people know this and irrational people are Rashida Tlaib. That's that's how this works. Meanwhile, uh, here in in my beloved Indianapolis, Indiana, they've got the NBA All-Star Weekend uh, going on. I really do hope it goes great and goes safe. And everybody spends all their money and then goes home. Uh, I'm a simple man with simple wants. That's all I'm asking for. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, T-O-N-Y-K-A-T-Z. TonyKatz.com, Monday, everyone. Take care.